Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. I invite your attention to really just six verses this morning. And the title of this morning's message is The Jealousy Jungle. The Jealousy Jungle. We'll talk about uh, where I get this from and what this exactly means throughout the course of this morning's message. But as we look here in 1 Samuel chapter 18, it gives us a story of where Saul is coming into this situation with who? David, right? David is his armor bearer, his, his the person who's into, into his, his kingdom to be able to play the harp for him and to comfort him. And so here in this first Samuel chapter 18, we have this conflict or this situation where you have two people who are coming together and there is a great relationship initially that has been woefully and gratefully disintegrated basically overnight. This morning, as we look at 1 Samuel chapter 18, we'll talk about the jealousy jungle. If you would, we're going to read verses 6 through 12 this morning. The Bible says this in verse number 6, And it came to pass, as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, there the slaughter of the Philistine was Goliath, we read about that in, in the previous chapter, in verse 17. That the woman came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the woman answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth. And the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward, and and it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand as at other times. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand, and Saul cast the javelin, and he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And Saul was afraid of David. Notice this next part with me. Why was Saul afraid of David? It wasn't because he had killed Goliath. It wasn't because he was eloquently able to play the harp. He was afraid of David, in verse number 12, because the Lord was with him. And the Lord was departed from Saul. Would you join me as we open this morning's message with a word of prayer? Lord, we ask that you come and meet with us even now. And Lord, as we look at this story in 1 Samuel chapter 18, Lord, may we look at our own hearts and our own lives and see if there's any form of jealousy in our lives. Lord, it's a perhaps a topical message as we go through this, but Lord, it's a message that I believe can help every one of us as we try to make sure that we have pure motives before you. Lord, go before us now, and I ask that you'll just be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
As we get into 1 Samuel chapter 18, I think that it's important that we look at a couple of the highlights that have happened in order to get us here to 1 Samuel chapter 18. Obviously, in the story we read that the king of the time, his name was Saul, and, and Saul was the king of the nation of Israel, and, and God had appointed him as the, this, the king up to this point. But two chapters earlier in verse, or chapter 16, we see that Saul had got to a point where, or I'm sorry, in, in 1 Samuel 15, that Saul did not strictly and uh, uh, fully obey what God had commanded him. In fact, God had commanded Saul and the rest of the Israelites to go and to kill all of the Amalekites and to kill all of their possessions and their livestock. And, and if we were to read in 1 Samuel chapter 15, we would see that, that the prophet comes to Saul and he says, What is, the, or what is this bleep, uh, bleeding of the sheep that I hear? Meaning, why did you not follow through with what God had told you to do? We see there in 1 Samuel chapter 15 that, that Saul had some excuses and ultimately he, he confessed of his sin and he, he asked God for forgiveness. But because of his willful disobedience, God had removed his hand of blessing from King Saul's life. And in fact, if we were to look there in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we would see that God regretted or he was disappointed that he had elevated Saul to this position because he was not living a, uh, an obedient lifestyle in all areas of his life. Fast forward to the next chapter. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, we see that God regretted that. And so what we see is God removed his presence from Saul's life. Now, this is the Old Testament. Jesus hadn't come yet, so Jesus hadn't come and established his reign on this earth, and he hadn't provided the comforter or the Holy Spirit to indwell Christians. And so here we see that God and, and, and God in his sovereignty and God in his purview was able to place his presence on people's lives really as he saw fit. And up to this point in Saul's life, he had God's presence in his life. And so the decisions that he made, the actions that he did, the way that he led his kingdom was based upon the leading of God's presence on his life. But in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and 16, we see that that, that presence was lifted from Saul. And when that presence was lifted in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we see that an, an evil or a dark spirit came into Saul's life. And it was a spirit of perhaps anxiety, perhaps depression. Even it could have been a demonic spirit that had possessed Saul at this time. We're not exactly sure. But what we do know is that Saul was at a place where he says, I can't continue doing the way that I'm or the, my, the, uh, acting, the way that I'm acting. Uh, leading the kingdom the way that I'm kingdom, uh, leading the way the, the kingdom this way. I have to have something to help me through this. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we see that Sam or Saul goes into his, his, his helpers. And he says, go into all the kingdom and find someone who could come into my home, come into my chambers. And when I have this evil spirit can come unto me and can play music that can soften my soul, that can get this evil spirit to depart from me. And, and, and so what we see is that they go into all the kingdom and they find the, the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, whose name was David. And David is brought to the kingdom and he brings his harp along with him. And he begins to play his harp. And, and immediately we see that Saul's heart is knit with David. Saul wanted David to come in to play music. But what we see is that it progressed from just being a music player to eventually becoming an armor bearer. 
And back in those times, we have to understand that an armor bearer wasn't just someone who would carry someone's armor from one place to another, but it was someone who was his right-hand man or perhaps his confidant or someone who was there to, to be there whenever there was a, a serious situation. And, and he had, Saul had great trust in David. And he had, David would play the harp and he would be his armor bearer. And, and there was a great unity among these two people. This relationship was very close-knit and David began to serve in days past that. Really, we see at the end of 1 Samuel chapter 16 that this relationship is knit, it's formed, it's bonded. And then it's almost like it's a different story in chapter 17. Because David is back now with his dad and Jesse, his dad, and he's, he's fielding the sheep and he's out in the fields with his, the, the brothers are at war and he's, at, he's fielding, you know, he's out in the fields with his, the sheep and he's, he's caring for those. And, and you go from a, 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 a duty of, of serving the king to going into the fields to serving the sheep. It's like two different people, but yet this is the same David. And I think it goes to show that David was, there was no task that David was too big for or too little for. David was just doing what he was told to do when he was told to do it. So in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we see David's out in the fields tending the father's flock, and his brothers are at war with King Saul. And if we know about 1 Samuel chapter 17, one of the most uh, well-known Bible stories perhaps of David and Goliath. If I were to ask our kids to, speak, to tell us a story, I'm sure that they could tell us a story. But, but what we see is that King Saul and the, the Israelite army were standing on one side of the Valley of Elah. And on the other side, there was another, a nation called the Philistines. And this Philistine nation was pagan in their religion. They didn't want anything to do with Jehovah God. They, they wanted to make sure that they could destroy the Israelite people so that way they could ultimately perhaps destroy God. That's, that was their philosophy. Now, the Philistine army knew that they probably couldn't destroy the Israelites, but what they did have that Israel didn't have was a giant whose name was Goliath. And if we were to read in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we would see that this Goliath for 40 days was standing there in the middle of the field, just destroying and wreaking havoc and mocking and making fun of the Israelite army. So David, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, goes into the, 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 the battlefield and he takes some food and some supplies and some nutrients to his brothers. And he gets to the battlefield and he sees ever, all the Israelites sitting on their backside doing nothing. While there's an enemy standing in the middle of the valley cursing their God. And David is kind of perplexed. He's confused. And he says, is there not a cause is there not something that we should be fighting for? Why are you not doing anything? What are you doing, guys? And, and he goes to Saul and he says, I believe that God can use me to defeat this Goliath, this giant Goliath. And, and I'm sure at some point, King Saul and the other people there kind of were like, this guy, the shepherd, the, the armor bearer that just takes my arm? No, I don't think so. But for whatever reason, we see that David was so convinced in his resolve to go into battle that King Saul says, sure, by all means, take my armor and go into it. And what we know is that David says, this isn't proven. I can't go into battle with this. And so David takes his little slingshot. He goes to the river, picks up five stones, because, but he only needed one, we know. And he goes and he, he puts that slingshot and he puts that stone right between Goliath's eyes and Goliath falls down. Takes a sword, cuts off Goliath's head. The Israelite army goes after the Philistines. They chase them and they kill them. And yes, Israelite, the Israelite army has won. So, 
1 Samuel chapter 16, David and Saul, close-knit. Very tight relationship. You get to 1 Samuel chapter 17, there's still a close-knit relationship. Now, because Saul knew David, and, and so there was an understanding there. So, David said, or so Saul said, the king, sure, you can go do this. So somewhere between the request to kill David or Goliath and the celebration of killing Goliath, something happened. And that something happened was that in King Saul's life or in his mind, there was a seed of jealousy that was placed. This relationship that was, that was fantastic, it was, it was, there was unity, there was power, there was strength. Somewhere between the command to kill Goliath and the celebration of the death of Goliath, there was a seed of jealousy placed in King Saul's life. And that's where our text picks up here in 1 Samuel chapter 18. Notice with me, first of all, this morning, we see the formation of jealousy. The formation of jealousy. In 1 Samuel chapter, in, in, in our passage, in six, verses 6 through 9, we read it just a minute ago. But we see that as, as David is going back into the city with with you, and you can just picture, right, that he's holding the head of Goliath, and, and maybe Goliath had long hair, and so maybe it's taking up to his knees, and he's just carrying Goliath in, and blood and guts are draining out, and Goliath is so excited. What's interesting there is, if you would, notice with me in verse number 6, the Bible says this. And it came to pass as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Goliath, that, they, that the woman came out of all cities of Israel singing and dancing. And what are the next four words? To meet King Saul. Here's what's interesting about this passage. Is that David was carrying Goliath's head back into the city. And he's thinking, look what our king did. Our king led us into battle, and now we hold the head of the Goliath, the, the giant that was persecuting all of us Israelites. We have a great king, and we are here to celebrate our great king. And the ladies came out to see King Saul. That's why they came out, to, to see King Saul and to praise him. But yet, Saul saw this completely different. Why? Because there was a seed of jealousy that was in Saul's mind. For 40 days, Goliath would go and mock God and the Israelite army without anyone making a move. And after David killed Goliath, he went back to the city to show everyone that Goliath had been killed. And everyone who was in fear and terror was now celebrating and rejoicing. Well, what's interesting about this, I think I see that David was just doing what he was supposed to be doing. He wasn't trying to usurp the authority of King Saul. He wasn't trying to put down King Saul and say, hey, look what I did. No, he was just doing what he was supposed to be doing. Yet, because there was a seed of jealousy, the formation of jealousy in King Saul, it radically changed from a celebration to an, to an idea of how can I get rid of this kid whose name is David. Saul was jealous of David, and we see in verse number 8, it says that he was very, in the saying of, of, of what the ladies were saying, it displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David tens of thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? Think, saying, the only way that David can be promoted is if he takes my job. So now there is this seed of bitterness, or the seed of jealousy, 
that has perpetuated to a place in verse number 9, and saw I, David, from that day and forward, meaning he kept a jealous eye on David. So we ask the question, where exactly does jealousy come from? Where does jealousy come from? In James chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, the Bible says, But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom, the, the envying and the strife, descendeth not from above, but is earthly, it's sensual, it's, it's devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. You see, when there is jealousy in our lives, when there is uh, even a, a, a simple form or a seed of jealousy, we have to understand that it's not from above, but it's from something that's not from above, and it's devilish. That means it's coming from the devil. And why is jealousy so dangerous? I see, first of all, jealousy is dangerous because it compares your accomplishments against other people's accomplishments. Jealousy is dangerous because it compares your accomplishments against other, other people's accomplishments. That's exactly what we see here. David is carrying in the head of Goliath, and the ladies are saying, David has killed tens of thousands. And Saul has killed his thousands. Now, I would say that a warrior would say, I think that killing a thousand people would probably be a good thing. But he says, I have killed but a thousand people. Because jealousy, it doesn't allow you or it compares your accomplishments against other people's accomplishments. And what we see in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12, the Bible says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. When we live our life comparing our actions against other people's actions or our families against other people's families or our spouse against someone else's spouse, we are not living a wise lifestyle because comparison will never lead to contentment. Let me say that again. Comparison will never lead to contentment. Because you will always find someone who's doing, quote-unquote, better than you're doing. And on the flip side, you're also always able to find someone who is, quote-unquote, doing worse than you're doing. Both of those places lead to jealousy. Because on one hand, you're prideful, thinking, I wish I could be like them. And on the other hand, or you're insecure, thinking, I wish I could be like them. And then on the other hand, you're prideful, thinking, I'm glad I'm not like them. You see, jealousy is a dangerous thing because it, it allows us and it, it compares your accomplishments against others. But jealousy is also dangerous, secondly, because jealousy limits your ability to rejoice when others succeed. Man, could you imagine the celebration that, that King Saul could have had here? David is bringing in this, this Goliath. And King Saul could have said, you know what? This stinking Goliath has been wreaking havoc on our land for 40 days. Aren't, you, aren't we all thankful that there's someone that was brave enough to do it? And he could have elevated David. And everybody could say, man, King Saul, aren't you? I'm so thankful that he's here. And they could have gone back and forth. And, and now they could have had this great feast or this celebration because someone succeeded. But when you have jealousy in your life, it's impossible to rejoice when other people succeed because you think that should have been me. In Romans chapter 12, verse 15, the Bible says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. If you cannot rejoice with those who rejoice, it's probably because there is a seed of jealousy that is in your life. 
But the dangerous thing about jealousy is that sometimes we think, well, I could just think about it in my mind. And if it's in my mind, it's fine. It's not dangerous. But notice secondly with me this morning, we see the actions of jealousy. The actions of jealousy. The Bible says in Romans 23, verse 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's exactly what we see happen here in 1 Samuel chapter 18. Saul was, uh, had this seed of jealousy in his mind, and he had this seed of, of revenge against David in his mind, and what's in your mind will never stay in your mind. Because what's in your mind many times will come out through your words or through your actions. And we see that in verses 10 through 11. The Bible says, And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand. Now, where was David playing his harp? He was playing the harp in the presence of King Saul. Why? Because he was doing the very thing that King Saul asked him to do. But you see, jealousy had affected and warped the way that, he, that King Saul was thinking that even when David was staying in his lane and doing what he was supposed to do, he was still a threat to King Saul. And so he was playing his harp and he picked up his, uh, uh, King Saul picked up uh, his javelin in, in Saul's hand in verse 11 and Saul cast the javelin for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. The jealousy that started in Saul's mind quickly bled out into his actions. And the desire for recognition and praise was, excuse me, was burning inside Saul so greatly that he was willing to kill the person who was receiving the praise. It was almost as if Saul, the night before, had seen the celebration and he went back to his chambers and he was up all night just looking at the ceiling thinking, how can I get rid of this menace whose name is David? It was like he was trying to, to contrive a plan to get rid of him. And, and the next day, sure enough, that plan was conceived. And he took the javelin and he tried to kill David. Jealousy is not harmless because it traps and it entangles you in its web of lies and emotions. The actions of jealousy will always come to fruition because jealousy does not just stay in our mind. It entangles the way that we think, the way that we act, and the way that we live our lives. Two years ago, uh, Janessa and I and our girls, we, we bravely boarded a flight uh, with two one-year-olds and a three-year-old. And we went all the way across to the East Coast and we went to North Carolina uh, with her family for a vacation. And uh, we were going to, uh, I think it's called the Outer Banks, it's a, a beach area. And uh, we had a little house that they, her in-laws, or my in-laws had rented, and, and we were, had a great week of vacation there. But while we were there, uh, um, I, I hope they're not watching right now, my in-laws aren't watching right now, but sometimes when you're with their in-laws, you need to like get out for a little bit, you know what I'm saying? And so I went for a run. And, uh, and, and so one morning I went out for a run, and, and I looked on a map, and there was this really nice nature preserve trail that I wanted to go running at. So it was about two miles from the house. So I, I ran there, and, and when I finally got to the, the, the park or the, the trailhead of the nature preserve, I turned right into the nature preserve, and the pictures that I had saw on the internet were just like incredible. It, it literally looked like a jungle. Like this nature preserve would go through, and there's trees everywhere, and there's grass that's up to you, like up to your knees, and, and it was gonna be like euphoria running through this nature preserve trail. Now, if you know about anything about me, I hate three things when I'm running dogs. Snakes and spiders. Those are the three things that I absolutely hate when it comes to running. Because dogs can't do anything about it. 
Snakes are just the worst thing. They're the serpent. And uh, then you have spiders that they're just, they get on you and, yeah, we're all creepy crawling, right? And so that's what I was thinking. I was going through this nature preserve trail, and as I was going through it, the sun was just rising up at a certain point in the morning. And as I looked through the nature preserve trail, all I could see was spider webs. So up to this point, I'm thinking, well, Right. It's about two miles here. I could go back, but then it's backtrack, and this is just a, so I was like, I'm just going to go forward. It's fine. And so I started running, and um, almost immediately, it was just like hitting my shoulder and my eye or my forehead, and, and I was just, it was the most uncomfortable run I've ever been on. Well, I, I was like halfway through, and there was a sign that said that if I turned left here, that there was an inlet you could go over, and it's like, kind of like a pier where you could see the ships coming in and out, and I was like, okay. I'm just going to take a break. I'm going to go that way. And so I turn left, and I go down this, this uh, little uh, side area. And as soon as I turn left there, there's a snake in the middle of the thing. And, like, I'm glad that there's no cameras there because I, I scream like a girl, and it was the worst thing ever. So I finally get to there. I see the, I see the boats coming in and out, and I'm, like, wiping off the cobwebs. And I'm like, okay, what do I do? Do I go back and kind of go back? to where the cobwebs I took off, or do I finish the nature trail? And, and, uh, and, and so I was like, well, I'm just going to finish it, and it's fine. And so I go back around, and, and as I started going back on the tr- main trail again, it was just like the, the rest of the way, I'm like, is that a spider? Like the, the, the only thing I could think about was not the run that I was experiencing, but the cobwebs that were a part of this nasty jungle, so to speak, that I thought would have been euphoric to run through. And when I got to the other side, I, I was covered, literally covered in cobwebs. And they were on my shoulder, they were on my shorts, they were on my shoes. They were everywhere, and I'm like, that was the worst run ever. I'm covered in the cobwebs of that stupid jungle. And no, when I think about when it comes to jealousy, we think that we can keep it in our minds. But the moment that you go into the jungle of jealousy... Mark it down this morning that you will be entangled with the cobwebs of everything that comes along with it. Because the thoughts that are in our mind bleed into the words that we say. Because then the person that's at work that maybe you're jealous that they got a promotion, maybe now you're the one who's maybe spreading gossip around that person to try to remove that promotion from them. Maybe you're the person that has specific actions to where you used to say, hey, hello, good morning to your boss because you wanted the promotion, and, and now you don't say it because someone else got it. Perhaps now your motives have changed because if, if my motives are different to get a promotion or my motives are different to get favor with my family or my motives are, here's the thing, jealousy bleeds into every area of our lives, and we are trapped with the cobwebs of jealousy when we go through the jealousy jungle. And I see that the reason that this is is because jealousy, first of all, corrupts our thoughts. Jealousy corrupts our thoughts. You know, our minds are the control center for how we operate our lives. The Bible doesn't talk about our minds. Uh, it does talk about our minds, but the primary focus here is the heart. It's the way that we operate our heart, right? If we were to go to the Psalms, we would see that David says, incline my heart unto your precepts. Let my, uh, purify my heart. And, and what David was saying is, I understand that my heart is the, it's like the internal combustion. It's like the caboot, or it's like the, the train, or the, the thing that's pulling the rest of the train. And David was saying, if I could just purify my heart, 
then I can live a life that is honoring to God. And the dangerous thing about jealousy is that jealousy corrupts your thoughts or your, the, the way that your heart thinks or the way that you want to operate your life. And that's why when Paul is talking to the church in Philippi, he's saying this in Philippians 4 verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things that are pure, that are just, that are of a good report. Because if we reduce our thinking to things that are unjust or that are impure or that are not of good report, we can have a lot of fun there. You know, the pigs have a lot of fun playing in the pigsty. And our minds can have a lot of fun thinking about things that are impure, thinking things that are not right. And that is not the way that God intended us to live our lives. Why? Because what's on the inside will always come to the outside. So jealousy corrupts our thoughts, but I see also because it corrupts our thoughts, jealousy corrupts our behavior. Jealousy corrupts your behavior. Just as Proverbs 23 verse 7 states, what we think about is who we are, and the reason this is because our thoughts lead to actions. See, jealousy will cause you to do the things that you would say you would never do. I would never cheat to do this. Uh, but then once someone has cheated or someone has got a promotion, you're like, maybe I will. Maybe I, uh, and we could go through this and we can play this out in many, th- many different areas, but I guarantee you that Saul was not thinking, I'm going to bring in a harpist so I can uh, uh, throw a spear at him and pin him to the wall. That's not what Saul had intended when he brought him into his kingdom. He brought him in for comfort and companionship. And yet it led to a place where he wanted to ultimately kill him. Jealousy will cause you to do things that you said that you would never do. And, and Jesus talks about this so much in Matthew. And in Matthew chapter 15, verse 18 through 19, the Bible says, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. What are those things? For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts and murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. Jesus goes on and And just a a few chapters before that, in Matthew chapter 12, he says, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. It's it's basically saying, for for out of the overflow or the, the wellspring of your life, for what's on the inside, it will bubble out and it will come out in some form or fashion. So blind or the jealousy will always cause actions, and those actions will be things that are not things that are glorifying to God, but frankly speaking, well, things that will be sinful by their definition. Finally, this morning, I see in verse number 12, perhaps the most dangerous thing about jealousy is that we see thoroughly the blindness from jealousy. The blindness from jealousy. So David had experienced quite the range of emotions. He killed Goliath and almost got killed himself. And in verse number 12, or in verse number 11, Saul takes a spear and he throws it at David, and David escapes. And, and now we see that David flees and he runs. But in verse number 12, the Bible says, And Saul was afraid of David, and we read this at the very beginning. He was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. See, Saul was so full of jealousy that he missed Perhaps one of the most greatest blessings of his life. 
being around someone who had the presence of God on their life. David had the presence of the Lord with him. And have you ever met someone whose words that they said and their demeanor and the way that they carried themselves, you're just like, something's different about that person. And I want to be that person's friend because they, they are just so full of joy and life and energy and, and they, they speak truth and, and there's something different about that person. That's, as I look at David, I, I see him being that. He was just someone who, who acted different, who lived his life differently. Saul was so jealous that he was blinded from experiencing a gift of being in the presence of someone who had the presence of God on their lives. But how does jealousy blind us? Jealousy blinds you from God's power and God's plan. Jealousy blinds you from God's power and God's plan because Saul was thinking, if I could just get rid of David, perhaps I can have the presence of the Lord on me again. If I could just get rid of him, I can't do something to earn God's favor. If I could just do something, I can earn God's acceptance. If I could just do something, I can't earn that, that, that position that I had with God. You know, many of us, we still carry that same philosophy today. If I could just do certain things, I can earn my way to heaven. If I could just do certain things, I can have a lifestyle that is better. And what we know is in, in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9, and Titus verse, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, we know that, that works does nothing because it is by the grace of God that we are saved. And it is by the grace of God that many of us are brought into favor with our employers. It is by the grace of God that God introduces you to your future spouse. It is by the grace of God that God allows you to go through this life with his hand of blessing on your life. But, you know, it's not, it's not uncommon and it's very prevalent throughout the scripture that people who have God's presence on their life cause other people to be jealous about them. We go to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 6, we would see that Daniel had such a favor with God and a prayer life with God that it caused the rest of his people, to, the rest of the people around Daniel to be, uh, to be convinced that the only way that they could get rid of Daniel was to get rid of his prayer life and his walk with God. God's presence and power in someone's life is unmistakable and oftentimes causes jealousy. And you might be thinking, I want that. I want God's power, and I, I, want, God, I want that favor. I want that, that acceptance, and it is God's desire and plan that you as a follower of God would be conformed into his image. That is, every, that is God's desire for every one of us. And we see that in Romans chapter 8, verse 29 through 20, uh, 28 and 29. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. If you are a follower of Christ, God's desire for you would for you to be conformed to the image of Christ. And just as Saul was afraid of David because David had the presence of God, so too will there be people in your life that are jealous of you because you have the power of God on your life. But also it's possible that we live our lives jealous of others because they have God's power and they have God's presence. How does it take place to have, have God's power and his presence on our lives? Dallas Willard said, Spiritual people are not those who engage in certain spiritual practices. They are those who draw their life from a conversational relationship with God. Just like Daniel, just like David. 
And just like the spiritual giants of the past and the spiritual giants in this church, the spiritual people are those who spend time in the presence of God. And if you want to have God's power and God's presence on your life, it is only found in his presence that you can find that. But as I closed and as I was looking through 1 Samuel chapter in 1 Samuel chapter 18, I see that there's really two inward beliefs that causes jealousy. On one hand, we see in verse number 6 that David says, or that all the, the all the ladies came out to meet King Saul with tabrets with joy and with instruments of music. On one hand, this jealousy could have been caused by pride. Because he King Saul said, I deserve their recognition. I am enough. I deserve this promotion. I deserve this elevation. I I deserve this. That is pride. But then we see in verse number 12 that he had on one hand pride, but then on the other hand, hand he had insecurity. Because in verse number 12, he was fearful of David because David had something that he didn't possess. And that made David or King Saul insecure in his thinking. I wish that I could have the presence of God in my life like David. On both ends of the spectrum, they are damning beliefs because they lead us to a place that leads to self-sufficiency rather than gospel dependency. We as Christians should daily and faithfully yield ourselves to the presence and the power of Christ because we are yielding ourselves to the grace and the favor that we had found when we first got saved. If we're not careful, we will begin to live our lives thinking, I could just do things to earn God's favor. I could just do things to earn God's acceptance. But that's not it at all. Because God's favor and God's power is only found in the presence of Christ when we are having a conversational relationship with him. I ask you this morning, are you entangled in the web of the jealousy jungle? Do you have spider webs that are bleeding into your actions? Do you have spider webs that are coming out in your words? And you say, where does this come from? It's very possible that it's coming from a seed of jealousy towards someone. Perhaps it's towards something. Perhaps it's towards an object that you wish that you had. Jealousy is simply an envying of, one, of something else that you do not currently possess. Is there a seed or a speck of jealousy in your heart this morning? If there is, there's hope for it. Because you can confess it, you can forsake it. But if you don't do that, mark it down this morning that it will begin to fester and it will begin to grow. And then you will lead to actions and blindness from God's power in God's plan.